every day you wake up and live the same life. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. I think something like this is bound to have some pretty serious consequences. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the super fly space guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. I'm actually happy to be here doing this again. Oh, and the scream queen, Ferris. I'm the so-called fine vagina. For nearly a year now, the world's been carrying on in a period where the concept of time might seem fluid to some. Perhaps it might be hard to tell where one day stops and another begins, or maybe, just maybe, it feels like we're living the same day, day in and day out. Well, if that applies to you, boy, do we have just the film. Now, before we get down to business, we have some follow-up. We recently reviewed a film that I personally love called Oculus. Now, it was remarkably a universal slash among our team, but what were the odds that it would fare so well amongst our listeners? Well, it's not wrong turn, so... (laughs) It's not wrong turn. Uh, Actually, it wasn't too bad. 15% of listeners gave it a hack, and 85% gave it a slash, which I think is a solid score. Way to go. I would like to know, I'm actually still surprised that we gave it a universal slash, so those numbers feel good. Yeah, someone asked me the other day, you haven't gave a universal slash in a while. I was like... But we have, but I can't remember what it was. Because <laughs> it feels wrong. Because it feels wrong. We actually had a lot of engagement around this movie. So I think I think we inspired a lot of people to watch it, which is one of the more fun elements of our podcast. Alan on Instagram said, definitely enjoyed this movie and the twist at the end. And for me, if a house comes with a fancy antique mirror, get rid of the whole house. Solid recommendation. Uh, I would keep it. Antique mirrors are really cool. Ryan would agree. I would, but I don't want a house that comes with one. <laughs> Well, when we, you know, when we go to your house and we start seeing like a woman in the mirror, I'm out. Okay. I'm out instantly. It's just me. (laughs) We have some comments from our patrons as well, including my two favorite Britneys. Brittany P had this to say, loved this film the first time I saw it and it holds up pretty well on rewatch. The ending annoyed me a little more the second time around, but I'd still give it a slash. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who had feelings about the ending. I feel validated. Thank you, Brittany. And then Brittany R., she actually watched this movie as a result of us reviewing it, which I love. She said, I love this film. I watched it for the first time when I saw it on the schedule. Huge slash over here. I felt every emotion in the best way. It is hard to keep my attention, and I was glued to the screen the entire time. Thanks to Paris for this great pick. You're welcome, Brittany R. You're so cheesy. I know. (laughs) And that's our follow-up, everyone. Well, speaking of cheesy, last week on our show, we saw one baby-faced killer in Valentine, and this week, we're actually continuing the theme. Now, in 2017, Blumhouse gave us a film featuring a hooded slasher wearing a baby mask, a costume designed by Tony Gardner, who designed the ghost face mask from Scream. This jolly face proves to be vicious, though, for one young college student in particular, who's stalked by the killer on the night of her birthday. But when she dies, the day resets, and she's trapped in a vicious cycle of her own demise. This week, we're talking about Happy Death Day. Now, who's seen this one before? Well, I thought I saw it with Chris, but uh, we've decided collectively, like, I didn't know her then. (laughs) Yeah, we dug up the receipts. Yeah, (laughs) so I went through photos to see where I was at in 2017, and that was a really kind of messed up part of my life, so I've decided I actually never watched it then. Yeah, I watched it like a year later, and I think I watched it closer to when, like, Happy Death Day 2 came out, and I was like, oh, 
hell, I have to watch the first one. So um, it's fairly recent. Yeah, for me, I fully remember this movie coming out and seeing the trailer and you know, understanding the concept of it, but I never watched it. I never got around to it, even though it's something that it would have been on my plate at the perfect time uh, when I would have enjoyed movies like this, I think. But I, I, I don't know. I never got around to it, I guess. I, I'm in the similar boat. So when this came out, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks like something I'm going to enjoy, but I just don't want to watch it in theater. I want to watch this at home. And I kind of put it off. And honestly, I can't believe it's been as long as it has been. I thought this was like, I don't know, maybe a year or two old. And now it's 2021. And we're like three and a half years in. And I feel really bad about that. Basically, since it's 2021, anything that you think was like a few years old, you just have to add like two years. That's how long it really was. Because of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, same same here. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I might see that. Never did. Uh, eventually, I watched it. I think it was streaming somewhere. Uh, so I have seen this before a few years ago. Actually, it, this came out a few years ago. So I probably saw it like maybe a year after it came out. This movie is as old as our podcast as it came out on the exact same day our podcast was born. Figuratively speaking, of course, not literally. So exciting. Happy death day to us. Indeed. <laughs> Happy life day to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I didn't see this movie in theaters either, but I did see it soon after it came out. And I remember really enjoying it. Aside from one of one aspect of the ending, it stuck out as like a sore thumb for me. But I haven't seen it since. And I was curious to see how it hold up on a rewatch. But since this is a number of yours first time watching this, what were you folks expecting beyond the obvious of the premise? Yeah, I I think this is one when you know the premise of it, it's really hard to to see what could come from it. And for me, I was expecting a really surprising ending in some way. I, I, I'm not really sure what that could have been. I spent a lot of this movie trying to figure out what the ending would be because so much of it is revealed with the concept of the movie. I, I just went in expecting a good catch at the end, I think. Yeah, I, I'm trying to recall what I thought about the movie before I watched it the first time, but um, I think I was expecting less comedy for sure. I think I was expecting something more like realistic or not real. Essentially, this isn't mm. realistic, but maybe like, I don't know, not grounded in comedy per se. So yeah, definitely. That's funny, Alexis. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking this was actually going to be just like a dark comedy and not even really a horror movie. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to actually like give us those horror movie kills. I was just like, oh, this is going to be like a fun, like, you know, a spooky comedy about a girl in college. You know, one of those like, like she's the man kind of movies, except that she dies all the time. <laughs> With Amanda Bynes. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of thing. Something really light. I actually love that movie. Aren't all movies about women in college spooky in one way or another? I was kind of expecting something along the same lines, Paris. Like I was expecting Groundhog Day meets I Know Who Killed Me. Kind of like that 50-50 mix of college kids slash teens, whatever they were in I Know Who Killed Me, plus the Groundhog Day like premise. Maybe a little you know Tucker and Dale kind of comedy. Who knows? The, tra the trailer does make it look kind of comical, though. So I think you have to give it credit for that. Can I pose a question? Who among us has actually seen Groundhog Day? Not I. Yes. Nope. I feel like I still have seen bits and pieces noted to pal, but I don't think I've seen like this yeah i got the concept you should know me well enough to know i haven't seen that but i am i'm familiar yeah at least i watch it every morning when i wake up you know that way like every day is consistent in some way and i kind of question reality 
Just kidding. I, I, of course, have seen it several times. What we get in this movie, I think, differs a little bit from what you guys were looking forward going into it. And one of the biggest things for me was well, having experienced this once already, it's very much not a movie that I think you can watch the same way twice. The good news is I was just as entertained this time as I was the first time watching it. Not blown away, not shocked by any means, but the laughs were still as good. The deaths were just as fun, and the heartfelt moments still punched just the right way. So it felt like a good time. How, how are you folks feeling? I couldn't say it better. I think because I've seen this, and even like going into the first like scene of the movie or the first few scenes, I was like, oh, I remember everything but i was like okay cool yeah and i picked up a lot on more of the comedy of it and more of the character development than i had before i think more i was in the first watch um i was con concentrated more on the um mystery of it all and like the who done it and i knew going into it this time who done it so i was paying attention to all the other stuff but yeah the heartfelt parts really got me i cried during this movie so it was a little bit of emotion during the first watch or this watch this watch i cried okay well i got inspired to watch the sequel right after it and i fucking bawled oh <laughs> the thing I find most interesting about you as a person, Chris Rojas, is that you seem to be someone that lacks emotion, and yet so full of it. And I, on the other hand, seem like I would be full of emotion, and I lack so much of it. And that is the balance that I appreciate in this friendship. Yeah. This movie did, however, make me feel a small thing. There was a moment where I felt a thing about something, which is, you know, kind of revolutionary, because I generally show up to movies to feel... Little to nothing. Yeah, except for Oculus, right? <laughs> yes, except Oculus. But I, I don't know. I think I spent so much of this movie waiting to see what would be at the end that I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how I feel about it a second time because I didn't feel much during this movie aside from the one moment that I think would make anyone feel something, generally speaking, even if you don't care about somebody like you care about you know, their family relations and stuff. So uh, my feelings were muted. I didn't have any emotional style feelings, but I did feel entertained while watching the movie. I like that emotional style feelings. <laughs> I'm going to totally use that line. Yeah. He's um, a robot. So he says very coded language like this. Right. It's not human. <laughs> the emotional style. Yeah. But no, I was entertained. I feel like it, it had the same feeling of other kind of like hit blockbuster horror movies made for younger crowds. Like if you would mm -hmm. go to the movie theater to watch Scream with your friends or something along those lines. I'm trying to think what else people go to the theater together with friends to watch. But Final Destination was yeah. a big theater hit. Yes, it's it's got Ooh, that yeah. feeling of like a Final Destination of like, let's go watch that together on Friday. Like, yeah, why not eat all the popcorn and stuff? God, rest in peace, times like that. I know. Now you have to sit in your couch and get popcorn everywhere. Mm, but HBO Max, you know? free free releases it's something yeah i agree mac i was pretty entertained throughout this movie um mostly it just felt fun you know there were a lot of comedy beats that i really enjoyed um i laughed quite a bit during this movie even though i'd seen it before the thing i like most is like i love a whodunit and i love a whodunit with like a few red herrings and this one had like so many and each one seemed like equally plausible until you found out it wasn't yeah this is like a compare and contrast in a tale of two herrings in last week's episode versus this week's and i love that you say that it, it was a fun time because i think that's just like the very definition of this movie it has a lot of fun surprises again if you've seen it once before, it may not be as surprising. I think a big question for me was whether or not I was still going to be disappointed in the ending the same way I was. And I'm sad to report, I was a little bit more disappointed 
in this element of the ending this time around. I wonder what that is. That's going to be fun to talk about. It's going to feel real obvious when I say it later. Yeah, probably. I remember when I watched this the first time, I was surprised with how kind of cerebral it is for how it also doesn't really take itself too seriously. The whole like time loop quantum physics of it all is something that they played with in such a way that was really surprising. I was like, oh, this is just gonna be something stupid. And I was like, oh, it's actually a little bit smart. Is it quantum physics? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Watch number two and you'll find out. It gets really quantum in the sequel. (laughs) Okay. But see, you guys have feelings about things based on the sequel. And I'm only reviewing the first one because you guys know I'm not watching that movie by choice. I mean, anytime time loops... Anytime time is nonlinear, you're you're talking quantum physics. This is true. Yeah, but in this movie, there is not a single ounce of quantum physics. It's there written into the background. There are a lot of clues pointing to it in the DNA of the film, but it's very intentionally something that they didn't focus on heavily so they wouldn't bash you over the head with science. I think you need to watch Donnie Darko and then watch this film. Oh, Lord. Favorite, one of my favorite movies just because Jake Gyllenhaal. That's one of my girlfriend's favorite movies and I was not really impressed. It was a fine movie. Are you kidding me? But I don't get what the big deal is. Oh my God, it's cult classic. I've never seen it, but it seems like everybody that's emo at one point loves Mm -hmm. that movie. I've never even heard of it. (laughs) Were you ever emo? No. Okay, then there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I went a very different direction in my life. (laughs) But if you get down with the whole quantum physics thing and like the nature of reality or in perception or whatever, like I think it's one of those films that ties in well, but it takes it obviously on a much more serious kind of route. This one takes it on a more fun route. And honestly, that's what surprised me was that mostly time loops can be really boring. And I think it actually was kind of fun. And they use it a ton in in every form of sci-fi. Like Star Trek has done this, of course, multiple times. And sometimes it gets really boring. This, I I think the whole time loop thing was actually fun to watch. Well, um, if you know me, you know my disappointment already. I just wish there was more like blood in this, like a little bit more. I think a little bit would have done great. And they try to do it at the end. I'm like, you can't just start showing bodies at the end. <laughs> do you think you might be a little desensitized, Alexis? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly might be a little desensitized. But I wish there was a little bit more gore. Yeah. I feel like that's fair. Yes. A little more blood wouldn't have hurt anybody. You think this would have been better rated R instead of PG-13? Oh, yeah. I think it's good as is. Isn't everything better rated R, to be honest? Mm. For the language. Because then you can say fuck more. Exactly. Yeah, her saying fuck more, she would be me. I think the language is my least favorite part of a rated R film. But I don't know. For me, I feel exactly the opposite of you, Mac. I was so disappointed by how much I hated watching the same day over and over again. And it, it, it wasn't fun to me. And I have more feelings about that. But I am down for like nonlinear time. Everything is fake. Nothing makes sense. It's all unreal. You know, I'm really down for the hippie life. Not really, but conceptually, I'm down for it. But in this instance, watching someone live through the same day over and over again, truly miserable. Mm, yeah, nothing's real except for the reality you manifest for yourself in your imaginary mind because we're all insignificant little specks of dust. Yeah, dude, everything's made up. And also every word that you know for everything that exists in this world was made up by some other person that doesn't deserve your power. Okay, so you remember how Ryan just said she didn't have an emo phase? Locked and loaded right now. <laughs> Walking into Seriously. it. Commence existentialism. Yes, the existentialism has been there, but I didn't go the dark path. She says in her black hoodie. Ryan's truly a nihilist. I'm sorry, what'd you call me? <laughs> I'm curious to hear now, given Ryan's just her take on the disappointment of this movie, I'm curious to see what she felt about the end. 
I'm going to give you guys a little taste of what my qualm was about that ending. My issue is there's so much building in this movie for the characters in it, more specifically the main character. And there's just a lot that is achieved. But then there's a crucial moment and some dialogue that's just haphazardly thrown in there at the end. It just makes the third act feel silly. It's not enough to wreck the whole ending because I love the way everything else is buttoned up. But the motivations there pissed me off. I think... I fully agree with you. There's kind of like an ending to the story. And then, of course, there's like an end bit. The end bit, I'm totally cool with. But like the the wrap up of the story, the resolution of the story, I'm just like, eh, like, is that what we needed to do? Does that make any sense? I don't know. Chris, I feel like I know exactly what you're talking about and obviously feel the complete opposite. Of course. I don't think there was anything haphazard about some of that dialogue and explanation that went into it. Actually, I, I just remember the reason I watched this movie is because uh, one of my best friends, Lou, who whose recommendations I take to heart, he was like, hey, I just watched this movie and you have to watch it and then let me know what you think about the part at the end. And when I watched it, I knew exactly what part he was talking about. And I was like, okay, this was a good watch. Hmm. So I liked the ending. I like the ending. I clearly remember this ending pretty perfectly that in the first few scenes, I still remember it. So to me, it's a memorable ending. You just wish it was bloodier. Well, yeah. The bloodiest you get is at the end. <laughs> Sorry, she wants the whole movie covered in blood, not just the yeah, end. Yeah, not Thank just you so the much. end. Sorry. That's not the order. Don't get the order wrong. Yeah, let's take Dead Alive level of blood, put on Happy Death Day. Eh, maybe not that much. I'll take it. Basically, at the end of the movie, she time loops into Saw. That's what she wants. Okay. <laughs> Imagine dramatic a little bit <laughs> here's the solution you're in a game every day you wake up and live the same life and you're repeating the same day over again until you fucking get your shit together <laughs> yeah. as if it wasn't bad enough already i did not have problems with the ending because i just like i don't know i was kind of apathetic i mean there's one component to it that i found a bit weak and it just has to do with one of the characters feeling a bit extraneous but the ending in general i just kind of breezed through and didn't really think twice about Parts of the movie are, are like kind of cheese tastic, but it's it's not it's not cheesy as in like bad effects or bad dialogue for me. It's just like cheesy as in like too sentimental. Maybe it seemed fine. Like I didn't even notice it. I was like, okay, this one character I feel like is extra, but but you know, aside from that, I'm, I'm cool with the way it ends. And uh, actually, I wanted to watch the second one. I didn't watch it afterwards, and I, I kind of planned to do so. But after finishing it, it did make me want to continue watching. But you know, it's really crazy to me. Deja vu is very similar to like repeating your day the same way or just thinking you, you you did that same thing. And I'm going to tell you, deja vu is terrifying. The idea of living the same day every day is terrifying. But obviously this movie was not scary at all. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Alexis. This movie isn't scary, but it's a comedy, right? So it's not going to, it's not intended to spook you too badly. But I will say I'm very happy that they still managed to maintain some classic tense slasher moments. As far as like, you know, seeing somebody in the background and oh yeah random shapes appearing. I'm on board with that. I was a little perturbed by the number of audible jump scares they were going for. I don't is that a thing? You know, the like scene where, you know, you kind of know someone's gonna appear and they hit you with a very loud tune out of nowhere. Those kind of stood out to me. And I think it's because I didn't expect any real horror from this movie. So then when you're like trying to force me into a jump scare, I'm like, mm, no, thanks for trying though. Yeah. I mean, you're riding in a car that has like a horror sticker on the bump on the bumper in this movie. Like we know it's playing with horror themes, but 
it's not trying to be Halloween or anything. It's got a killer. The killer shows up in really predictable ways. And I think that's part of the film. Like when you get to kill scenes, you know what's coming and you're expecting it because you've seen this day after day and you know what to expect. And so I don't, I don't know that they wanted you to be surprised by any of that. Like you typically would in other slasher films. Um, and I, I kind of got down with that because it took that whole part out of the equation. I didn't have to worry about like, Oh no, is it that them around the corner or is it like somebody else? That's just, no, it's like, whatever, do you know, the killer is going to show up, you know, it's going to be when they're looking the wrong way or when you hear a weird sound or when something is in the scene and who cares? Like that's not the important part. It's the mystery. That's the important part. I totally agree. I feel like Chris described it really well. This definitely honors some of the, like the classic horror slasher kill moments and uh, build suspense in those scenes. Um, but not enough that you're like actually afraid because you're kind of informed early on that there's like not a lot of consequences when the killer comes around because everything's just going to start over. Um, which kind of allows you to have more fun with those moments. Yeah. It like does just enough of what slashers usually do where the movie won't scare you, but if you were to, see familiar scenery and you're walking alone late at night you might think oh shit this is like out of happy death day like being in a tunnel in a park yes absolutely as if i would ever walk through a tunnel in a park at night with those stupid caution lights no and it's my birthday and something's playing happy birthday no no, no, no. You wouldn't think it's some elaborate ruse that we're pulling over on you? No, I would dip. And if y'all are, you've made a mistake. I don't care enough. I will dip and you can be like, dude, we did this thing for your birthday. Like, all right, well, it was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. I left. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for future birthday surprises. Now, it's no secret, right, that this movie borrows a lot from other movies. It admits to it itself when it compares itself to Groundhog Day at one point. But what this does, though, was perfectly blend horror, comedy, and then familiar bits of other movies to feel fresh. It still felt not an entirely new or original idea, but it felt like a fresh experience that I think horror needed at that time. Yeah, I completely agree. And I love Carter's statement at the end on Groundhog's Day. Like, you haven't seen that movie? Like, oh. And I was, I just thought that was like the nice, uh, nice tidbit to leave at the end of the movie. I do agree that this felt familiar and yet original. I talk about this all the time, but it took a new approach to something that we've seen before. I don't know if there's anything else like this where it's like horror movie slasher, but it's in a time loop. I think that's a fun, like random combination of ideas that that made for something that felt fresh. Yeah, I feel like fresh is a good way to describe this movie, but I'm gonna I'm gonna step out here and say that we give movies a little bit too much credit for originality sometimes. I don't think this is original. There it there's almost nothing original about it. Sure, we, you know, bring some ingredients together to make something that hasn't been, but I think fresh is a good way to describe it. Not so much original to me. I don't think it needs to be original. You know, I mean, we've mentioned, obviously, it's got parts of other films or other stories in it to make its own thing. And I think that's the whole point is that you don't want it to be completely removed from everything else because that familiarity is what makes the movie successful. And it kind of reminds me of a 2020 film that's on Hulu, Palm Springs, another great take on time loops, really fun to watch, very entertaining, little bit of death in there, not really like a murder mystery kind of situation. But uh, I, I like the fact that it feels familiar. I think that's an important part of it. Original, fresh, 
Who's to say? We'll see how all these opinions weigh out in terms of an actual score. Place your bets now, folks, on how this movie's going to end up being rated. But before we get into the actual scoring, Alexis, how many people died in this movie? I'm happy to say, even though I wish there was more gore, surprisingly, there's 20 deaths in this movie. Hmm. A little asterisk, and I can explain later in the second half, but 20 deaths. Solid 20. But did any animals die in this time loop? Ooh, I'm so thankful that there were no animal deaths, because if you kept showing me the same thing over and over, we would have had some problems. So everything is good to go this week. All right, then let's see how this shakes out. Happy Death Day from 2017. Is it a hack or a slash? I'll go first on this one because I found it just easily entertaining. It was just an easy movie to watch. It felt fresh, like everyone has said. It's not something I'd seen before. I wasn't bored by it. It just felt like a good, easy thing to put on the TV and like tune out. And I didn't have to pull up my phone and, and browse Instagram or anything. It wasn't boring. It wasn't too easy. It was like right the, the right amount of entertainment. So I really enjoyed it. I think it's a great one to throw on the TV at home and sit on the couch. Um, and I honestly don't have much else to say. No complaints. It was a good ride. Yeah, definitely. I feel how you feel. I was excited to watch this again. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember loving this movie. And I remember super excited when Happy Death Day 2 came out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to watch this as soon as I can. And I'm giving this a slash for many reasons, but mostly because if you guys know me, um, I don't know if I have recently divulged that I've been kind of binging Teen Mom lately. <laughs> I did think of you when I saw Teen Mom. <laughs> I literally put it on the background just and Janelle is my favorite trash person. So I've been binging this lately and the fact that this is featured in this movie, I've never been so excited in my life. I'm like, okay, someone's obsessed with it just as much as me. Plus, I'm going to take a note from Paris's book, love the fashion in this, loved her outfit. And it was cool watching it in a new way. I, I was watching her character development. I was watching Tree just, you know, go throughout life and go through living her death every day. I liked it. I loved it. It's one of my top 15 probably movies. Easily. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, Alexis. This too quickly climbed the charts into some of my top favorite horror movies. Like we've said, it's fun. It's entertaining. I really personally love what it does, how it like plays with the format in a way that gives you something that we've said is fresh because I can't think of anything else like this. I also, of course, love a story that's mostly focused on a female character who honestly gets a lot of development throughout this. I think both her and the movie start in a really shallow place and end somewhere that has like a surprising level of depth, which I wasn't expecting when I first saw this. Um, and I feel like it mixes that depth with enough like superficial dumb bitch dialogue to keep me like very happy because that, that's my happy place as we know. So this is absolutely a slash for me. I love this movie and I've actually seen it like six times and happily saw the sequel in theaters. Yeah, Paris, you know, we really align on many things and this is not one of them. <laughs> okay, so a little, a little random tidbit about my life. I got a DVD player. Our family got one at some point in life and Freaky Friday was one of the only DVDs we've ever owned. That's a good one. Yeah, sure. It's great. I think I watched it a billion times. I could recite every single word from it. And and this movie is is Freaky Friday, but horror in a way, right? Same, same, but different. I think that all the things you appreciate about this movie are the things that I truly don't care about. It's weird because I am, if our listeners don't know, I'm a woman in college. I've been in college for a long time. I'm working on a lot of things. And I could not care less about women in in college. And every time you hit me with like, uh, 
a, a frat party or like a sorority in a movie or something like that. I just don't care. And I think a part of it is because I don't relate to it because it, it doesn't feel like the real experience to me. It doesn't feel like real life. It feels like a movie. I just don't care. I don't care about like showing up to your house and having fake friendships with other people that live in your house and they, you know, talk trash. And, you know, there's just a, just this whole thing that just doesn't connect to me at all. And this movie has almost every single bit of it. In watching this movie, I found that watching someone live through the same day over and over and over again is almost as bad as actually doing it yourself. And I was just like, I saw the trailer to this movie. I didn't need to see any more of it because it was the trailer. It just didn't do it for me. I wanted like this really rich ending and then they gave it to us and then took it away from us. And it was like, hey, this is what you thought you would get. It's really great. This is a lovely, you know, meaningful story. And then they just kind of like went back on their word and just turned it back into the same thing that it already was that I already didn't care about. I'm kind of going hard about this, but I just could not have cared less about this movie. And so obviously it's a hack for me. And I feel like I shouldn't have to be the one bouncing this team all the time. I don't know why y'all keep slashing stuff like this. Because it's, it's fun. entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I would say Happy Death Day was generally loved. Loved uh, and well-received by audiences. It's just me here complaining then, and I'm fine with that. Somebody has to be the cranky old man. I do be the cranky old man sometimes. I do have a bad hit. <laughs> I'd rather be friends with your grandpa than this girl in college. So there's that. Ryan, I think you actually said it perfectly when you mentioned that this movie gives you a great ending and then takes it away at the same time. I totally agree with you there. But I also think that might be all we see eye to eye on. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this discussion unfolds in the second half. This movie is funny. It's emotional. It's semi-tense. And it's got an unconventional final girl you can't help but fall in love with as her character molds. Or at least I couldn't. I think a lot of people couldn't. I do see your point on the classic, tropey, college campus frat party situations. I think I maybe I've grown desensitized to it because that's just all you see of college in these movies. So I just stopped caring. It's like no longer a box that can be checked for me. But apart from that, this movie is just simply a good ride. It's a slash. And with that, Happy Death Day is a mostly happy slash day, earning four slashes and one hack. Now, you can find this movie streaming on FX if it's included on your cable plan. Otherwise, it is available for rent or purchase. Check it out, then join us in the second half so we can continue to unpack Ryan's distaste for this movie. See you in a bit. You had fun the night before, on the couch and on the floor. You thought you met a winner after a lengthy, liquid dinner. But now that night is gone, and you awaken to the dawn. Your vision's restored, it's apparent you scored, and your new friend's a creepy grinner. Nobody wants to hit a 10 a.m. class wearing shoes meant for the club, last night's makeup, and a stranger's underpants, because yours are who knows where. Call Primp My Ride. Our mobile primping service shows up to escort you to your next destination with all the amenities you need to feel ready to go for the day. Toothbrush, toothpaste, endless mouthwash, dry shampoo, black tea, black jeans, and Chelsea boots, so you can fit in wherever you're headed. Each Print My Ride van includes staff to speedily freshen up your makeup and hair, and yes, even a pair of fresh underwear. Don't keep stressing about dressing. Print My Ride is there for you as soon as you wake up in Orando's Twin XL.
Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Happy Death Day, which has had a pretty good day so far. It's earned four slashes and only one hack. Now, we have a lot to unpack here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings and our scores and unpacking the love and the hate we have for this movie, we have the matter of gore to attend to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? The gore score this week is going to be low, and it's so surprising because there's 20 deaths in this movie. But you get those 20 from Tree dying, like, one too many times (laughs) i don't know it's exciting it's fun to have yourself die in so many different ways she does get stabbed a lot um i wish there was more a little bit more of that but for me i think carter's death was kind of my favorite essentially because i think it was most shocking for me i didn't necessarily think um the killer was going to snap his neck so when it happened i think i was very taken back and been like (gasps) and that was the only death that i was really like (gasps) about until it was Lori's, but uh, <laughs> but definitely Carter's death because I was like, oh, poor Carter. He's just being this like cute guy. I rather enjoyed Danielle getting hit by a bus. <laughs> that was a good one, Mac. <laughs> but like, you knew what's coming. They're in the road. You're like, oh, what if a, and then it boom, it hits. And you're, it was just really satisfying. I liked it. It was, it was a good one. Mac, that's actually also my favorite. And it's because you kind of don't expect it to happen to both of them yeah you know of course we know she's gonna die at some point but you don't expect it to happen exactly the way it does and so that was the one that stood out to me as well i guess i will go for my backup uh because that was also on my list um i'm gonna give it to the time tree gets killed by being absolutely nailed in the head with a baseball bat and i really like that one because of the way it frames that shot you kind of just follow her head being knocked sideways uh, with the baseball bat into her head landing on the pillow and then waking up again. So I thought that transition was really nicely done. Well, that's a bummer. That was actually my favorite shot of the whole damn movie. Wasn't it good? <laughs> but it wasn't my favorite death. It was actually Lori's, not the aftermath of her body, but just her splatting and then the blood shooting up subtly from the bottom of the frame. Like, the only gore I got. <laughs> it was the only gore I needed. Speaking of that, so um, the original script written by Scott Lobdell included material that was supposed to make this movie rated r which i essentially probably would have liked that it included some grislier deaths and very surprisingly he went ahead and altered those to make it the rating it was and took those out you hate to see it i hate to see that too and it's so crazy because this movie when you think about it the first death is in within 14 minutes and then you have another break and you have 14 minutes and that's like the longest you have between deaths in this movie. Mostly it ranges from five to seven, um, sometimes 10. So you're like, okay, consistently like there's death in this movie. I would want it to be just a tad bit grislier, but I feel like if you mess with that a little bit, there's a good balance that with the comedy, it's going to look kind of crazy and it'll be kind of weird. But yeah, Chris mentioned also that I thought was super neat because you guys know I love Scream. The Bayfield University baby killer mask was designed by Tony Gardner, who also designed the Scream franchise's Ghostface. So the director was testing it out, walking around in the office, and actually scared a worker. So clearly, (laughs) it was a good choice. I don't know, a baby with a little, like, tooth sticking out. You don't like snaggletooth scary baby? Little bucktooth baby is actually really horrific in this movie i think if i if i was in my room and turned around and saw this i'd lose it do we like the baby mask though because honestly i feel like it was kind of lame and i've only recently started to like come around on it because of just it's been around so long i would like to say i think it has like the right amount of comedy to it where it's like cute and really creepy so it's like comical although i will say as like a mascot for a school 
no. You're what? A baby mascot? Yeah. The, the babies? A hard no. But as a killer, <laughs> I'm not mad at it. And I don't think I'm mad at it because I didn't even realize we did two baby-faced killers back-to-back. Like, I didn't even remember. Boom. I didn't either until Chris said it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. There it is. Every movie is slightly obscurely connected to the last. Oh, my God. <laughs> In a way, I hate it. It creeps me out. <laughs> well, to go from the gore, you know, I think there's some interesting visual elements in this movie. There's one that really particularly stood out to me. I know we were talking about like the mask and everything. For me, um, the killer standing at the police car window, looking into the window. So we're actually getting a shot of tree. And in the reflection, you can see the cop lights flashing against the mask in the reflection of the window. So, so, so good as far as like visually this movie, that was the thing that stood out to me the most. And it was one of those things where I know they set it up very intentionally. It wasn't on accident. The the eyes of the two characters almost matched up perfectly, but I just loved it. It was, it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm thankful that they did it. And it, it made me excited in the middle of a movie that I wasn't excited about. Interesting. So my favorite, like I have two, one is like so superficial and I know everyone's gonna like laugh at me, but was the opening credits when you have Universal up there and then it was also rewinding. I was like, damn, this is smart. Yeah. That was fun. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I was like, I love this two on the nose. I'm not sure, but I did like it. Um, I've also mentioned this. I appreciated Tree's wardrobe beyond belief. And usually I'm not one person to like hone in on something like that. Usually I'm like, it is what it is. But I think it just made her so relatable. You do own the same jacket. I do. And the same boots. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I think that helps her character. And I know we'll talk about that later. But um, I think that helped me relate to her. I was like, oh my gosh, like she has this cool wardrobe, but it's not like something crazy I wouldn't see in a store. It's like she was just very relatable in that sort of sense. And she definitely rocked that graphic tee. Uh, yes. Also my fave. Day after day after day. <laughs> after day. That's cool. Wearing your dude's shirt, right? No? I don't know. At one point she wore it for, <laughs> she wore it for like three days and I'm not so sure. <laughs> well, she didn't wear it with pants one time. So that's true. <laughs> Ooh, but walking through campus butt naked, not a bad experience. I feel like it would be exciting. If I was her, I would have done that. I would have done some crazy shit if I knew no one knew the next day. Yeah. Although I would like to know, she kind of didn't know that no one would know the next day. She just knew she wouldn't be there the next day. But like <laughs> people do remember things. <laughs> she was walking. I was like, I mean, maybe, maybe a thong, you know, you could go for something. You want to go full naked? You know, I actually really love, it's not that that's my favorite scene by any means, but it's just really cool to hear about filming that scene from her perspective because all the members of the crew who are women, actually protected her and then hyped her up and just helped her be more confident and free and nobody wanted anyone like passing by to take pictures of of her and stuff so they all like got jackets and blankets and just immediately as soon as they were done filming for that take they all swarmed in on her to protect her and it was just it's just such a cute moment that gives me the warm fuzzies she seemed like a very proud bean in that scene so i'm happy (laughs) for that Paris mentioned earlier just how absolutely incredible this shot is with the baseball bat when it's cracking into her head and she's cracking onto the pillow. And that's actually such a great theme in this movie visually. And then it even carries into the sequel really, uh, really beautifully as well. Beyond that visually, I just love the way they play with the shadows in this movie. The way all these, you know, all these shots are composed. And again, this is just my poor little slasher heart, right? 
having Tree in the foreground with the killer lurking in the background in the shadows just coming in or seeing Nick being murdered in the background with the lights flashing all around. I just fucking loved it. Chris, I feel like we've gone tip for tap because you've just now taken my favorite visual element, which was Tree texting while Nick's getting killed in the background. (laughs) I love the way they set up that juxtaposition. There's something about like texting while someone's being murdered that like really makes me laugh because it's so like flippant while also so grave also so true i feel like some like people now are so invested in their phones that they don't pay attention to anything yeah to like (laughs) not even notice a murder is happening because you're like texting somebody (laughs) and the conversation was so petty they were like fighting with daniel over a boy yeah honestly though if that dude if i was just in a room where a guy was dancing really shittily to shitty music in what he has described as the pleasure dome i wouldn't give a shit about him either oh my god i know thank you i was literally gonna say he deserves it absolutely and he deserves no attention during this death because that was horrific that was maybe the scariest part of this entire movie you know <laughs> and then you're followed it by the best line and it she's like when they're texting Paris I, I know I'm sure you probably caught that but it was like I hope you both die like yeah. from Danielle yeah. and I was like oh shit <laughs> which is what we would say to each other if we were in friends in this situation right like that's that's like the classic like girl thing to say is like I hope you both die I would absolutely say that to somebody as a joke of course but also somebody I hope died was the frat dude who came in and like saw her being attacked on that bed and was just like yeah party and left i was like no yeah that piece of shit you garbage person but also i was like true and accurate not unrealistic and that's what's hateful about it not that that far from reality right for a random drunk person to show up and not care about what's going on yeah like oh shit you guys think you just got a comedy here no we're gonna just fucking make this real dark real fast yeah Mm -hmm. for a very brief moment it's hard to describe what I liked about the movie visually because there's just like a certain feel to it. I don't know if it's like color grading or the cameras that they use, but it has a very like kind of polished feel, but this, the, but it works because like the setting is so lived in the college campus and the dorms and everything like feel kind of real. But watching the film, it doesn't seem grungy. It doesn't seem like a soap opera, though. It's just kind of like going to Target. It's in the Goldilocks zone, where like everything just kind of like seems nicer, even though you know there's the smell of popcorn at the uh, at the entrance. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. It's just like a magic. There's just like a good, clean feeling to it visually. So I don't know what they did. But that's what I appreciate is like looking at the film, looking at the colors, looking at the depth of field that they that they bring in so many shots. Like it just like feels good to watch. The thing about Target, though, is that everything is cheap and costs a little bit more than it should. I don't know how that applies to this movie, but I just wanted to throw it out there. (laughs) So is the price that you have to pay for this Target movie uh, the time that you'll never get back because you had such a shitty time with it? In a way, yes. You could have gone to Walmart for the same thing, but you felt a little too good for Walmart, so you showed up to Target. Yeah, you know it. I go to Target like two to three times a week, so I can't help it. Pay 20 bucks for what you get at Walmart for five bucks. Come on. Yeah, but I feel better about it. That's the thing is like, well, watching this, I could have watched other movies that are similar, but like looking at this movie is more enjoyable. I just, it's a better situation. I don't know why. You're also like not scared going to Target in the way you are sometimes when you go into a Walmart. I mean, we're annoyed. Like I just get annoyed as soon as I park in Walmart. What's life if not a little bit of roughing up, you know? <laughs> okay. So one of the things like that I just don't know why I like it, but I, but I do is the scene where she like wakes up and makes her way into the quad and walks through and just like the sequence of events like continually happening. I know you hated seeing it over and over again, but that scene of like her making her path through the quad to, get back to like her place 
I just like really liked it. It felt like there was so much going on, but it didn't feel too messy. It obviously was very deliberate, uh, but it was kind of enjoyable and really silly. Each character felt like an actual character that she was interacting with in, in some way, showing us who she was as a person at that time or in that loop. But that like whole segment, each time they did it, Ryan, I know you hated it, but each time they did it, I actually really enjoyed it kind of more and more. Yeah, you know what that segment is called? Um, it's called the Walk of Shame. Um, and let me give you a brief history. No, I'm kidding. I don't need to give you a history. It's <laughs> shitty. And even in your 30s, it's even shittier. The nicer you look the night before, the worse the Walk of Shame is the it really next day. Is. The worst part is when you do it from someone you know and you're just doing it a very short time frame or like if you're on a college campus, everyone's doing it. But if you're like in a neighborhood, you're like, what is wrong with my freaking life? But I, I, as much as I love that scene, I think my second favorite is, um, when she has her lunch with her dad. And I think it's where you see kind of this character development for her and like you see it like progressing, um, throughout this one light that day she has where she's like being nice to everyone. And I'm like, Oh wow. She's turning over a new leaf. She's not like that much of a bitch. (laughs) And I'm not even talking about sororities, but I love that. And actually like when she was talking, it made me cry because you kind of knew what was going on during that point. You knew like at that point, her mom and her shared a birthday and then the dad just wanted to connect. And you know, there wasn't any like sort of like struggle. And I was like, I need to text my parents more. That's what I thought about after this. I was like, I need to be in contact with my parents or maybe they're going through more things than I know. And I don't know, I cried (laughs) for sure. That part made me emotional. But the part where I really cried was when we see her watching the video and just like kind of dwelling in these memories of her mother when she's in her room. The only thing I'm like actually afraid of in life, I know I'm like, yeah, I joke about like being afraid of water and heights. The only thing that I truly unquestionably fear is the crippling reality that if everything works out as it's intended to, I'm the youngest in my family and I technically should outlive everyone. And I can't imagine a world without my mom. And that is devastating. And I love that this movie, I don't love it. That's hard, right? Like, I don't want to feel that. But I love that this movie, as funny as it is and as light as it is, can make you feel so much for someone else. That being said, putting those feelings back in a box, tucking them away in the closet. (laughs) My actual favorite scene is tree's first death and it's not that it's my favorite death but collectively it's this first uh run in with the killer it's the music box in the tunnel it's her being skeptical then her being fearful and the killer jumping up out of nowhere the tension in that scene i absolutely love and i think at that point she has already listened to the voicemail for her dad and you get these like little bits of complexity there and i think the reason why that's my favorite is because it gives you so much feeling early on before it whacks you over the head with the mom being dead, the damaged relationship with the father. It gives you this this place of she's about to die and she has no idea. Look at the state that her life is in right now and the status of her relationships. That's not a way that you want to leave business unfinished and unsettled. So deep. You know, Chris, I love how deep you went with that. My favorite scene could not be more shallow. It is the 
montage that occurs with Demi Lovato's confident playing. One, because you get a bunch of deaths rapid fire back to back. You kind of see her going through a checklist of like who she thinks the killer might be and like crossing off those suspects. And I've actually never really cared for that song until I saw this movie for like the third or fourth time. And I was like, you know what? This is a good song to like walk naked through a quad too. Yeah, d- definitely a great song for walking naked in public. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you only there were confident. a playlist. <laughs> What's wrong with being confident? Uh-huh. Can we do a playlist for if you are walking naked in a uh, quad? <laughs> I, I'm going to go back to some things that Alexis and Chris both touched on. And it is those very touching moments that we get with Tree and her father and stuff like that. I, you know, didn't really care about this character. But then when it comes down to her and her father and her mother and the things that have gone on in life, because I think we we all go through things, right? And so it's it's really difficult to go to college and be like the person that has like already lost their mother or something like that, right? So we, we've all had those struggles in our own ways. Those were the moments where I cared about these characters. Those are the moments where I'm like, wow, you know, when when she, you know, goes through what seems like it's going to be the last death and she seems like she's really figured it out and she has to be a better person and she does all these things and talks to all these people in the way that she should. That's something that did it for me. However, it's like prefaced by this by this moment of like I I just don't care about people that treat people horribly. I don't I don't feel any sympathy or empathy, I suppose, for you if you're the kind of person that treats someone that you go home with like trash when you chose to go home with them when you were drunk. I just don't care about people that act the way Tree did at the beginning of this movie. And so I didn't get invested in it. But I will say the way she grew through this and figured out like, oh, I need to treat people better. I need to talk to my roommate about why I behave the way I behave. And those types of things, those are really valuable to me. I did feel disrespected when they just threw it out the window for a story that kind of was just like nonsense. Again, like fluffy, baloney there's no point to this really story. But Mm -hmm. in that moment where we had that like really meaningful dialogue between her and her roommate, her and her friends, and the person that's sitting outside her sorority house, that's really excited to see her and says, hello, you know, like those moments are meaningful and made her important to me. And I just hate that they threw it away. But her growth there was so good in this movie. Okay. So I'm glad that you enjoyed her character. I thought she was great to watch on, on on film seeing her story progress seeing her change and grow like a beautiful tree or whatever but there was a character that was so extra that i truly hated them and that was the the killer that was locked up in the hospital oh yes why did that Ugh. even happen i don't know like there's it, many things it was to throw you off okay i know it was supposed to be a red herring and all that kind of stuff but like every interaction with him i guess there was two time loops that they were involved in I just like, I don't know. I didn't want to hear him speak. Step one, I, I thought that was completely unnecessary, uh, and boring. Uh, but like also just like, why was that in the equation? I feel like there's better ways to deal with this possibility. Show that as a red herring, but don't let us like see her interact with him because those interactions were just like taking away from the film. Yeah. And then when we find out that it was all BS anyway, that he, it was like a setup made by her friend. Like what, who has, who thinks about that? Who's like, there's a killer in the hospital. I'm going to set it up 
so that somehow he kills her? What? It's the most like meta horror movie thing ever. And it, it was just like when they introduced it, it was just like, okay, so this random guy's in the hospital and he's going to escape and stalk you. And sure, maybe that's what they were going for. But I also hated it. I mean, it threw me off. It, it was it was effective for me. That's unfortunately. true. true. <laughs> they alluded to it. They had the clips of the news in the background, like the first couple times where, like, she obviously wasn't paying attention to it really, and I wasn't either. Right, and and I guess that's the point where you're like, oh my gosh, that was on a TV or some something in the background, and now the picture is complete. But in the end, it wasn't truly complete anyway. It was just like, no, it was all set up somehow. Oddly enough, I don't know. It just was like kind of a waste. That's very funny. I asked none of these questions when it was revealed any of the times. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That was a pretty convenient thing for Lori to to have access to. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a little far-fetched. I mean, I don't know. He's far-fetched a um, for sure. Ma- uh, Charles Manson slash mm-hmm. Bert from The Used, if anyone knows that guy. But um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I, I like the cat and mouse. I like the, you know, I like my datelines. I like my, you know, dateline 2020s. I like all my... My, you know, who done it? So this is cool. It's just like another thing to add to the book. And also, like by the time you get to that point, you've watched a girl go through a time loop about fifteen times. So your disbelief and your suspension of it should be well established when you get there. Exactly. Exactly. Mine wasn't. <laughs> that's the problem. I was like, well, there's no way in physics that this keeps happening. You know, I. You know me. I'm always stuck in reality. God forbid. So speaking about reality, though, the entire time, I assumed it was someone that she knew personally behind that mask. And when they gave us the reality that it wasn't, and that it was just like this random dude that somehow got a hold of the mask of the school and what? Makes no sense. Yeah. Some of the time it was Lori. Yeah, I guess that's true. But then like, because it was like planted in his room or whatever, that was pretty lame too. I really hoped it was her new boyfriend the whole time. Oh. I honestly... I, I would have enjoyed that so much more than what we got. It would have been really exciting if he was like a secretly nice guy, but also a killer, you know? Mm, I like I like the purity of Carter. I'm not mad at it. The angle about Lori is an interesting one because it wasn't until this watch picking up on when it was Lori and when it wasn't Lori. First off, Lori had some feminine curves. I don't I didn't see any curves on the killer at any point. So that's a bummer. They should have been a little bit more consistent with that. However, you know, the killer taunting with the music box for happy birthday or using the birthday candle from the cupcake to light the gasoline to cause the explosion. It was really cool trying to decipher that. Kind of like how when you watch Scream and try to figure out which killer it is at which point for which victim. And the reveal of it being Lori felt really good the first time. And it still feels good now. I feel like it's a good surprise, especially since she seems so inconsequential. But the worst part of this movie for me is undoubtedly her fucking motivation. Because you have this incredible arc for tree building. And Lori seems to be a girl with a a decent head on her shoulder. She seems like advising like, hey, this is going to have some serious consequences. So it seems like, okay, there's one stable woman in this world who's not Tree's mother, who's also a decent human, revealed to be the killer. Okay, cool. I get with that. But then just to reduce her down to killing Tree over a dude. But then when Tree calls her out on that, she's like, no, you're also a dumb bitch. What the fuck? Mm. Like, what happened to anything about you? And here we are. It felt reductive and so frustrating to me. And I hated that the crux of this movie was based on 
someone being petty and catty. And I fucking hate that. And that's why I love Black Christmas so much because it counteracts all the bullshit, like the stereotypical tropes of sorority girls are just bitchy, catty women. I hate it so much. I would like to 100% agree. And I want to note every single person right now is leaning into their mics trying to speak. And I won this, <laughs> I won this competition here. But yes, it gave into that sorority stupid thing of women just hating on other women. And I hate that. I hate that for this movie. They could have taken it to a really easy way. And just when she, it was her turn to speak, she, she could have just said like, you know, I have lived with you every day for however long you are the worst person I've ever met. And I hate you so much. That like could have yes. been the explanation she needed. I would have loved that. Okay. Listen, this was one of my favorite moments in the whole thing. Of course it was. When she says, because you're, you're also a dumb bitch because in that one line, she said all of those things, Max. She said, you are a miserable roommate. No. I hate you so much. You are a rotted person. No. You're mean to everybody. No. You're horrible. And I'm the one that's had to deal with it more than anyone. I'm fed up. That's not what she said. She's part of the sorority, so she's also horrible. That's what I heard. <laughs> it's because you happen to be a person who says dumb bitch all the time. No, but but the way she said it, the delivery, this is the thing my friend Lou was like, you're going to love. Because like the potency behind that specific dumb bitch said everything about what Lori had been dealing with because Tree starts out as like the most miserable person. Could you imagine living with her? You'd probably kill her too. And Lori's also not privy to any of Tree's growth. She's still stuck on that one same day. She doesn't know she's a better person, even though she kind of comes to her and says, I'm sorry, I've been a bad roommate. Like, well, uh, I'm still going to kill you. Yeah. The, what do you mean? There's no redemption here. She can't, she can't own up to her mistakes and say, Oh, I'm so sorry that I've been this way. I'll be better. I mean, what are we talking about? This person can't be forgiven for any of the mistakes that they've made. Too little, too late. No, it's ridiculous. Because she was in the same sorority, so they're the same way. They're ridiculous altogether. She already baked the cupcake. And? She's committed to this. A little apology is not going to turn her back. It's so frustrating because you already get the, oh, you dumb hoes. Oh, you dumb bitch. Like, you get a line from Danielle where she's like, oh, Earth to space, bitch. Like, it's just you you get that, right? You get that all throughout the movie. It's there. You take it for what it is. Lori's the one chance to be an escape from that and then nope she's just like everyone else and it is the negative stereotype of women in higher education in a sorority that is so fucking damaging and look it's not enough to sink the movie for me at all but it it leaves such a bitter taste in my mouth and i can't stand it that's so funny once again chris here we are <laughs> yeah on the opposite sides of the same thing we knew what this would be I know. I love you so much. I agree with like that damaging part. And I thought there were a few other like um, points in the movie. Like, you know, I don't know. I guess being on this podcast has like opened up my eyes. And when Chris speaks about things, I like, well, obviously I listen, but like, I think I like start analyzing things more. And like, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan. You know, we talked about the whole frat guy coming in and not doing anything. Um, We've talked about this whole like sorority complex that's in this movie. But then there's also like her when she goes and like hangs herself that I was like, but did we need that? Like, I didn't think it was just like maybe because I mean, I, I don't know how to put this in a lighter way than other than like I've had people in my family who have done that. So like, it was just like very too on the nose and i was like okay but do we have there's like other ways like she could chase he's chasing her there's other ways for her to like 
get him to kill her. She could also just lay there. I know that's probably too on the nose too, but I don't know. I just thought like there was just like some dark scenes and they were a little too dark for me. If I had to pick a worse part, that would be the worst part. Yes. Speaking of a little too much, Alexis, I love that you said that because while Danielle was obviously one of my favorite characters, there were a few times where she went a little too far. Specifically, she was a little too mean to Becky. And every time it happened, I was like, eh, you can do mean girl in a way that's fun and you can do a mean girl in a way that you're like body shaming and a little bit racist at the same time. And it's not a good look. Yes. I agree. It was a little racist. You know, it's one of those things. And I, I know it's like the 2020 in us, but you, you feel it and you're like, you know, maybe not. It's like, yeah, even though it was like still pretty recent, she was one of two black girls in that sorority. And it it didn't feel good, no. you know? I was like, no, Danielle, don't do this because I like you as a character and this is making me not like you. So that's definitely my worst part. But also, I feel like Mac was kind of alluding to this earlier. I feel like the romance at the end got a little bit schmaltzy and I was kind of like, okay, I don't really care about you two. Like, let's not get carried away. He wanted to have his babies, she said. So, yeah. Okay, but I would like to note you know man tries to save me from a killer you know maybe he deserves a little extra romance than what you would normally expect in a college situation (laughs) you know i feel like i feel a little bit differently i really liked the the little sweet romance that we get at the end of this movie you know like she deserves a sweet man and hopefully he is that because there was a significant part of this movie where I thought he was the killer. And, and I actually really enjoyed that little bit of like mush, you know, that got added yeah, in. I did too. It was cute. He's kind of cute too. He's yeah. like a nerdy cute. Yeah. He wasn't like ugly, you know, he was cute enough. He was cute. He wasn't hot, but <laughs> you know, sororities <laughs> take things very seriously. I know they wouldn't approve, but in real life, he's an attractive person. And I appreciated like how he treated her and stuff like that. I think. Aside from that, that was something I enjoyed. But the the best part of this movie for me is the way the killer behaves and the way the killer shows up in certain scenarios. I think it's super interesting, even from the very first kill with the tunnel and everything like that, all the way into the end where we get, you know, different killers introduced or, or who we might think is a different killer. Um I think that this killer had a certain energy about them, you know, the all black with the baby face. It was very interesting. That is maybe the only thing that I cared about in this movie for a significant portion of it. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong for that, but I did enjoy that little baby face killer, you know? I don't have many complaints about the movie. I don't know if I could pick a worse part. I think one of the things that was kind of annoying was the whole like save the environment like person standing with the clipboard and everything that I thought was kind of annoying because everyone (laughs) knows that they're out there and everyone like has learned coping mechanisms for dealing with that. And I guess that's whole part of the thing is that like, you know, she was being mean to her, at least for the first couple go rounds. But I feel like by the age that they're supposed to be in this movie, you learn to say like, Oh my gosh, like no thanks. I'm in a hurry instead of, yeah, just being a jerk. You would also for sure be out there with an with an iPad or other electronic device if you cared about paper. <laughs> Definitely. Can I just say how surprised I am that Mac slashed this movie? This is one, uh, you know, I was talking to Mac earlier today and just kind of like making small remarks. I try not to reveal what I'm going to say about the podcast beforehand, but I was making small remarks to Mac and I kind of realized he was going to slash it. And then he did. And I... I'm surprised by this, but evidently I'm very wrong about people's perception of this movie, and I'm okay with that. I figured this movie wasn't offensive enough in any way for Mac to give it a hack. That's true. He's pretty gentle. He is slash 
until proven otherwise. Where I is, yeah. <laughs> I am hack until proven otherwise. And I appreciate things about this that I think Paris also mentioned earlier, having the strong female lead. And in the end, the complete transformation of the character to an actually semi-decent human being, I found really important because we didn't just get, you know, a basic bitch the whole movie. But then it devolves. It, well, it then goes it gets, forward. Yeah, we get a little bit of cheddar, but that's yeah. that part's okay. That's fine. That's the happy yeah. ending of the movie, and I'm okay with that part. It is a, it's cheesy, but who cares? But you know, when we when we get that like character transformation of you know this girl who's listened to Taylor Swift every day of her life to this girl at the end who can like see other human beings and the fact that they exist in the world, like that's that's cool. And she like now realizes she can be both a sorority girl and a decent human being, and having dated a sorority girl. Many of them are decent human beings. And so like the character we get in the beginning is kind of annoying to watch because that's the trope that we always see in movies. But now, you know, at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, you're a productive member of society. Welcome. Is the dichotomy listens to Taylor Swift or is a good human being, but no in between? <laughs> no, of course not. I love Taylor Swift too. But I think the whole point is that in the beginning of the movie, she's like two-dimensional, super duper basic right like has no personality except for mayonnaise and mean and at the end of the movie she's now you know an actual human who like cares about other people and decides that they exist and that she can treat them with respect hurt people hurt people and then their roommates kill them it happens <laughs> i will say i won't rewatch this movie but i am interested in the sequel and i i would like to actually watch it pretty soon because it seems like something every person that i've mentioned this movie to has said did you watch the sequel so i feel like i should yeah i'm i'm the, in the same boat i was really considering watching them back to back except for the fact that it was super late at night and i needed to work the next day but now it's you know something that i i want to watch again i don't know about like maybe i'd watch this with friends or or with my fiance cuz she hasn't seen it yet so you know i it's something i would rewatch with company cuz i find it enjoyable as much as I like this, I think I need to be a little just like it, it needs to have some time because I literally watched this and still remember who the killer was. I still had fun, but I think I've picked up on all I needed to pick up in two rounds in like three years. So I think I'm just going to wait a little bit before I watch this again. Oh, I've watched this like probably six times by now, and I will continue to watch it on a regular basis. It's a fun movie to watch with somebody who hasn't seen it before. Um, and it does seem like every time I watch it, I pick up on something I didn't pick up on originally. This time, I actually noticed that all of the kills that had like a birthday tie-in were alluding to the fact that Lori is the only one that knew it was Tree's birthday. Because like a psycho roommate, she found her driver's license. <laughs> exactly. That is kind of like psycho. <laughs> I mean, I've done it, but. <laughs> well, similarly to Alexis, I would definitely watch it again, but I do need some time. And I also think that I would need to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it before, but I don't think I could watch it with someone who's not a fan of horror movies. Or if they're not a fan of horror movies, totally cool, because I think this is like a good you know, part of the starter kit. I cannot watch it with someone who wants to be smarter than the quantum physics they go into the movie or is just going to not have a good time. So many stipulations to that. I just have to mention. Basically, she can't watch it with Ryan. Yes. Is what she's saying. <laughs> Obviously, we've had a lot to talk about here. We've learned a lot about the gore. We've learned a lot about the production of the film with Tree's character strutting around naked on campus. But let's see what Mac has up his sleeve for Factor Fiction. Spoiler alert. There's nothing up my sleeve. It's because you only wear short sleeves. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about Factor Fiction. Number one, the scenes in which Tree wakes up in the dorm room and then walks through the quads. Some of my favorite scenes, of course. Who wants to repeat that walk, though? Um, 
It took a whopping week to film over and over and over again with minor variations. Fact. Fact? I'm saying fiction. I feel like, and I thought about this while I was watching it, I feel like they filmed all of that like in quick succession to get it right and keep it, keep continuity on, on check. Well, the truth is going with Paris in this case. It's actually fiction. The scenes took a bit less, you know, somewhere around like two days to film. Uh, but at one point, the sprinkler system got stuck on and cost the crew a whole hour of trying to figure that out. That means someone had squishy butt when they were laying on wet grass. <laughs> and speaking of soggy bottoms, let's move on to number two. If you watch the trailer, you may have noticed that Tree's ringtone was 50 cents in a club. Obviously, in the actual film, it's whatever that annoying ringtone was that they ended up with. Because after seeing the trailer, 50 Cent, of course, reached out and petitioned the filmmakers to remove the track from the film. Fiction. 50 Cent seems that petty because he wants to be a dollar. Uh, so, fact. Wow. <laughs> I think it came in after the fact. The trailer is so much after the production of the film. I'm not worried about it. Oh, damn. I'm actually so torn because that's a really good point, Ryan. I want to say fact because that ringtone feels cheap and like made up last minute. Uh, honestly, 50 Cent probably paid to have his song put in there. Let's be real. Let's be real. It was like 20 years <laughs> after anybody cared about that song. <laughs> he didn't have money to pay for it. Eh, he's got 50 cents. What is the truth, Mac? Oh, goodness. The truth here is that this is fiction. So they did try to get the rights to that track, but they were ultimately unsuccessful. And so they had made that custom horrible ringtone that we got to hear over and over. It's your birthday. Numero trace. Jessica Roth has some zingers. Director Christopher Landon stated she ad-libbed the line, who takes their first date to Subway? It's not like you have a foot long. This girl knows how to shoot dudes down. I, I want it to be a fact. I want it to be a fact, and it is a fact. I want it to be a fact, and the three of us together will manifest it into a fact. We will. I feel manifest. it. Manifest. So you just experienced some quantum physics stuff going on, because it's it's actually a fact. Yes! So credit yes. where credit's due. <laughs> Who takes their first day to Subway? It's not like you got a foot long. Like, what a burn. You need a 12-day course of antibiotics for that burn. <laughs> Number four, bad boy director Christopher Landon did us dirty. If I remember correctly, we were all fans of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. He, however, was not calling it a piss-poor attempt at slapstick hillbillies. I feel like there was no comparison to the two, so I'm going to say fiction. I kind of don't understand the question, so I'm going to say fiction also. Fiction, this feels like it was made by somebody who also enjoyed that. You are so correct. It is a fiction, and he did so enjoy that. He's actually stated, this movie sort of came out of nowhere for me, and I love it. Big laughs and genuine heart. I always recommend this one to fans of horror comedy. So yeah, he was a fan. Obviously, it like affected the comedy in this film. At least that's in my mind how it works. But yeah, everyone loves that movie because it's amazing. Which takes us to number five. Ryan absolutely loves time loops, especially in this film, right? She's so much. She just loves them. Yep. Anyway, Christopher <laughs> Landon stated he went with a time loop for Happy Death Day because of the day in, day out depressing experience he went through in university, making each day feel like Groundhog Day until the semester ended. Oh, Fact. It's kind of true. Yep. Fact. Fact. That feels, sure. yeah, facty. I feel uncomfortable about how many of these we've <laughs> agreed to. Yeah. So this was total BS. I made it up. Oh, so it's not thanks. a fact. It's fiction. But he did say the answer to why she's literally stuck in a time loop. It's something I have the answer to. It's in my back pocket. Because knock on wood, you never know how things are going to go. And we're not counting our chickens. But if I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to make a sequel, the answer to that question's it's it's the premise to my sequel and of course we know that they made a sequel that i haven't seen yet so i can't wait to see i would like to admit i'm gonna try to watch the sequel today or tomorrow because it feels necessary and maybe this is meant to be a one one bit 
unit, you know, one and two together. <laughs> but in this instance, it's not. Be warned, though, it has like 100% more science. Yeah, like 100% more. I, I, I'm literally <laughs> down for more science because here we got none. And the whole time I was like, okay, sure, she's the killer, but like how? You know, I need more. <laughs> and that concludes Mac Lies to You or Factor Fiction. Well, thank you so much, Mac, for that arousing factor fiction. And with that, there you have it. The Happy Death Day has earned four slashes and one hack. Now, we've certainly had a lot to talk about here, and we know that conversation never ends here. We want to know what you think. We want to know if you hated it as much as Ryan did. Now, keep in mind, there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you feel bad for me for being the only hack amongst all these slashes lately, you can reach out to our hacker slash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message, especially if you're international. Or if this is the 10th time you've listened to this because you're stuck in a time loop, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. But also, there's another tier. For $3 a month, you get access to B-Sides, where you can listen to all the ridiculous outtakes that didn't make it into this episode, as well as unrelated shenanigans that we just get into somehow. So give it a thought. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, don't have affairs with your married professors, maybe. Oh yeah, that part. And on that note, bye. Bye. Oh.